0: We're going to start with our main scripture, which is First Peter two chapter nine, First uh, Peter chapter two verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's who we are, and that's what we've been redeemed to do. You are not just a a beggar. You are not just a worm in the dust. You are not just a nasty, awful sinner. No, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You've been called out of darkness. You're not in darkness. You're now children of the light, seen as a royal priesthood and a holy nation. God is receiving praise not from worms of the dust and rotten little sinners. You are an ex-sinner. You are a former sinner. You now are a royal priesthood, his own special people, a holy nation, chosen, chosen and made royal, clothed in royal robes of righteousness so that you can praise God from that place, from that place. So if you see yourself in this light, it gets a lot easier to praise God, doesn't it? You are not under your circumstances. You are over circumstances. What does that mean? It means that you change circumstances with your words. Circumstances don't dictate to you how things are going to go. You talk to circumstances and you change situations. This is how you praise God. You praise God from this elevated royal priesthood place. And the whole thing starts to make a lot more sense. When I was first saved, I went to a uh, charismatic church in San Jose and um, I had a friend in the church uh, named Randy and uh, Gigi and I would, would come and we would kind of stand in the back and uh, all the guys were jumping up and down and all excited on the first song. I'm like, what did I miss? Where's the coffee? Why are you guys so excited and bouncing up and down on song one? I kind of, need to get over myself after like song three, and by song four, I can kind of start to sway a little bit, and by song five, maybe my hands will go up a little bit, and then, you know, by the very end of praise and worship, I'm over myself, and I'm halfway ready to praise God. Well, they're all praising God on the first song, and jumping up and down, and waving their arms, and What are you guys doing? You guys like, you know, their worship team wasn't as good as as Arthur and Maria. They, They weren't as good as Arthur. I mean, they, anyways, but everybody was just all fired up on song one. And I was like, well, why? Well, it's actually a doctrinal thing. If you see yourself as the Bible sees you, then you can get over yourself and get over all your emotions and all of your uh, problems and your bills and who said something to you and who should have said something to you and you didn't say, but you should have said. And I, oh, I wish I hadn't said and I, I shouldn't have said and all that stuff that the devil tries to, con- to mess us up and keep us from authentic praise and worship by clouding our mind with thoughts. So we cast all our cares on him and come in ready to praise and give ourselves fully on song one. Amen? It's actually a doctrinal thing and it really um, separates mature Christians from immature Christians. Immature Christians go by their feelings. They're all about their feelings. All about their emotions. But mature Christians go by the word. What does God say? What God says, that's the truth. My emotions can line up with what God says. I want to put what God says first. Set that as number one. And then my feelings can follow. If God says to forgive everybody, then I'll forgive everybody. Well, what about your feeling? Feelings follow. Feelings follow. So do the right thing, do what God says to do, and the feelings will catch up. Our second scripture, First Thessalonians 5:16. Rejoice always. All right, what are the three exceptions to that verse? Number one. Number two, number three, there aren't any. (laughs) There are no exceptions to that verse. Rejoice always, 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 always. There are no exceptions. There are no excuses. This verse applies to everybody here. You can't give God your excuse list. Rejoice always, says in the Bible. Pray without ceasing. I am married to a woman who actually can do that. She goes to sleep at night and then she rolls over. And in the middle of the night, she prays in tongues most of the night. In her sleep, she prays in tongues. Pray without ceasing. Apparently it's doable. My wife does. In everything give thanks. Doesn't say for everything. But in the midst of everything. We can give thanks. Why? Because God is with us. And greater is he that lives in us. Than he that is in the world. We have the greater one living on the inside of us. We are above. And not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. You gotta get all of these concepts working for you, or you won't praise God correctly. You gotta see yourself up here. Not down here, up here. It's like it's like Jesus uh, is Tom Cruise in that one movie. With me, without me. With me, without me. If you don't know it, it's okay. All right. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That movie was night and day. (laughs) What's the will of God? The will of God is rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks. Come on. This is what God wants. This is the will of God. Praise and worship isn't just something we tack on in the beginning of a church service. Praise and worship is a lifestyle. Psalm 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. So there is a progression that begins with thanksgiving and praise, a thankful heart, and then finally, blessing His holy name, where you get to kind of a more of a worship. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Is our key concept tonight is worship. Last week we talked about praise, and this time we're going to talk a little bit more about worship. Um, let me just give you an example of using praise and worship in your prayer life. Um, when we we're in, uh, just after Bible school, we just graduated from Bible school, we were living in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we were renting. And Gigi prayed, and God showed her that we had a money bag, and the money bag had holes in it. And the uh, like, you know, like an old prospector in California had his gold dust in his little bag, and the gold dust was sort of, uh sifting out of the bag and she said well what does that mean what's what's the problem here and um as she prayed more it was kind of like you're renting you should be owning so we wanted to buy a house and uh these homes are are fairly inexpensive but we didn't make very much money we were just poor bible students and uh, so um right about that time uh, someone says, hey, you got to go see this house. This is your house. And it's just on the other side of the of, of this little mini neighborhood. And we're renting on one side and this house is on the other side. And we go over and see it and it's adorable. The house is super cute. And we're like, yeah, this, this house just feels right. It's locked up. It's uh, It's got a for sale sign in front of it. But we walked around it and we looked at that house and we just had this instant knowing that's our house. And so we we marched around it. And so in uh, in our course textbook, the untapped power of praise, they talk about a Jericho march and they talk about how Jericho uh, was one with a shout. There wasn't wasn't one with a battle, but it was one with prayer and it was one with a shout. Well, we kind of did a, a Jericho type march around this house. We marched around it, we named it, Claimed it and blabbed it and grabbed it and prayed over it and we we anointed it with oil. We said, "That's our house. That is our house." And and we just we just felt great about it. We got we finally got to go in it and walk through it. And, and uh, the walls were painted pink, but we could paint them white. And so um, this God, it was a cute little place. And then it sold, and we were. We were part of the, well, actually what happened was right, at, long story short, it sold a couple of times. We got involved in the bidding. Uh, it went to a higher bidder than us. And we were looking around, you know, it's like, is there another house that, that is right for us? And no, none of the other houses were right. None of the other houses felt right. That was our house, but it sold twice to other people. And it fell out the first time. Then it sold again and we were a bidder on it and we felt like we bid the right amount but we were number two and it didn't go to us. But the people didn't move in and then we get the notice that that sale fell out. And right before that happened, we were part of a food ministry and we were uh, delivering, we were giving out uh, free food. Uh, from our garage to people who needed free food and there were there was a whole food ministry that people would go in trucks to uh, Walmart and uh, Sam's Club pick up food and the different garages would distribute it well one of the people coming to that food ministry was uh, a guy who would go on to become a very very powerful minister and there was just a different spirit about him and he would receive food from our food ministry and then he would come back and he would tithe back to us from his free food, which what he would do is he would prepare some of the food and he would make the best curried potatoes. Um, He was an Indian man uh, from India and he would make us curried potatoes and we would sit down and we would sit with this guy. Um, He was desperately poor while he was a student there but he wasn't poor on the inside. He really had kind of a king's mentality. He was a wonderful man. Well, we told him about this house and he said, and we asked him to pray with us about it. And he prayed with us. And then he said, something good is going to happen to you. And he said it with this really cute Indian accent. And so that was Sunday night. And all day Monday, I kept saying, something good is going to happen to me. And then all day Tuesday, something good is going to happen to me. And all day Wednesday, something good is going to happen to me. And the phone rang on Wednesday. The phone rang on Wednesday. You got the house. That house is yours. We were able to buy it. We were able to buy it with this... uh, Below market rate uh, financing. We got the best financing. We got the best house. We got it painted. We got all the paint painted out. Got it painted our color. Um, it was that house was a great blessing to us. But what it was was it was a story of standing in faith in spite of complimentary circumstances. It was a story of staying positive. Staying up, staying in your confession that God is for you, that God loves you, God is with me, and that is mine. Jericho was a city that God had promised to the Israelites. There was no way in the natural they were going to get it. But following God's plan, they got it. We have had several couples in our church buy homes in the Bay Area. They didn't have the money. When they first started getting in faith, it was very, very difficult, but they were able to do it. One couple used an FHA loan, 3% down, was able to buy a house in San Carlos, the house tripled in value and then they were able to buy all cash in Pennsylvania another couple bought a house in uh, San Jose and they've already paid it off God can do stuff God is can do this for you God can do this for you God is in the miracle working business God's business is to bless you. Your business is to believe God. Your business is to give him praise when it doesn't make any sense. Your business is to say, yes, God. As Mary, when the angel said, you're gonna have the Christ child, Mary said, well, be it unto me. As you have said, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready, God, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's see some miracles. Let's start praying for miracles and seeing some miracles. We have been praying for ten thousand souls to be saved as our as in our church. We just crossed the six thousand number last week. How is that possible? That's awesome. God is amazing. God is able. And so you just start praying, you just start saying, you start declaring, and God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. I will stop my song and continue with this lesson. All right, Matthew chapter 15. This is a key scripture in the New Testament about the power of worship. It's at the bottom of page one of your handout for tonight. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, listen to her prayer. O oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Pretty good prayer. She's not missing it on any level. She's praying a good prayer. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us; She's begging us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus is being perfectly obedient to his calling and to what his father has told him to do. You're to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I will send the Messiah to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's where you're supposed to go. That's what you're supposed to do. He's all about the father's business. Then she came. Here's verse 25. This is the key thing. She came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help me. And he answered. And he didn't answer very politely. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What got Jesus to talk to her? Worship. What's amazing is that she doesn't have a covenant. She is not of the tribe of Israel. Jesus is not sent to her. Her miracle was supposed to come in about two more years when Paul and Philip, the evangelist, are going to go down to Samaria and preach the gospel. Gentile evangelism is scheduled for after Pentecost, not before. <clears throat> Getting excited. So, Gentile evangelism is coming. But, and her miracle is scheduled for about two years from now. Jesus is in the dispensation that is before the cross, not after the cross. After the cross, the gospel is going to go to all nations. But before the cross, he is only sent for this epoch, for this time period, he is only sent to the Jews. He crosses dispensational lines to do this miracle for her. This is a big, big deal. Jesus breaks all sorts of protocol to answer this prayer because of worship. Not only is there worship involved, but there's great humility. Worship and humility. Heidi Baker has this has an expression, go low and go slow. Heidi Baker's expression about going low, getting humble getting humble. This lady gets really humble. So she goes into worship, then she gets into humility, and she gets her answer. She gets her merit. It's impressive. You see, praise declares the goodness and the faithfulness and the kindness and the mercy of God. But worship is different. In worship, we actually give something to God. Arthur and Maria bring him more than a song or a song in itself. They go further. They give something deeper within. Arthur and Maria bring their gift, and they're giving their gift in worship. But what we're going to discover tonight is that what do you give the God who already has everything? He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He paves the streets with gold. He's got it all. And if he doesn't have it, he can make it. What he doesn't have is he doesn't have your worship. He wants worship from people who have been redeemed, who have been clothed with righteousness, who have been made kings, made priests, who see themselves in that role and put on their priestly garments and go in before him with worship and praise in their office. At their level, at their appointed place, believing God and taking God at His word, seeing yourself elevated, seeing yourself in your righteousness, seeing yourself as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. You're a chosen generation called out of darkness into His marvelous light so that you may proclaim His praises. You have been clothed for this job and you and I can bring him the worship he deserves now if worship doesn't cost you a little bit it's not worship worship is giving something of yourself worship takes something out of you to give to God in Revelations, the 24 elders, whenever they worshiped God, what did they do? They took off their crowns and they cast them down before the Lord. Worship is always, there's always this giving in worship. There is a giving of yourself. There is a giving of something of you when you worship God. It isn't just a, Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We are little elves and we worship you, Lord. There is something more, There's something deeper. There is something where you're really giving of yourself. In Matthew uh, chapter 2, it says that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod, king of Judah, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Matthew 2:2, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Okay, who can tell us the song that the wise men sang? Unmute yourself and sing the song that the wise men sang. Okay, well, then. Um, read the prayer of worship that in, that's in the Christmas story, that the wise men prayed this prayer of worship before the baby Jesus. I'm waiting. There isn't one. There's no song. There's no prayer of worship. What did they do? They brought three things. Worship is giving. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave costly gifts. They brought costly gifts. We have come to worship this king. How are they going to do it? Giving. Giving, giving, giving is a tremendous form of worship. And I'm not just saying that you have to write a check to worship God or something. What I'm saying is that you've got to take something that is yours and put it on the altar. The best church services I have ever attended have been church services where I was either kneeling during worship, face down during worship, or doing white dad dances, badly dancing in the front or the back of the church. I was giving of myself in the praise and worship, either on my knees, on my face, or dancing like crazy. Sometimes, uh, doing intercessory prayer, pre-service prayer, or doing intercessory prayer during the message, um, where you just go into another room while the speaker is speaking, you go into another room with a group and pray for the message. Or before service, you go into another room and you pray for that service. The more you invest, the more God can give you a return on investment. Worship is giving. Worship is taking something of yours and giving it to God. We need to see some more examples of that. I thought we could just sing, we would be okay. You'd probably be okay. But I want you to take it further. You can do better than that. You can do more. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself. Let's do better than a song. Let's do better. We can do a song with worship. We can do a song with dance. We can do a song on the floor, face down. We can do a song from our knees. We can do a song. However, what brings something, bring something more than just I'll participate from row number five, amen? So Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, fragrant oil and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Very costly, fragrant oil. It looked like a waste. It looked extravagant. It looked like too much. It was easy for unbelievers and outsiders to criticize this gift. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. He defends her and says, for the poor you have with you always, but me you don't have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Then he gives her honor. For assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. You will meet this woman in heaven. You will want to see this woman in heaven. What she did in exchange here was so worth it. There is a man called the rich young ruler in the Bible. Jesus said, come and follow me. Sell everything you have, come follow me. What's his first name? We don't know. If he had obeyed Jesus, the richest man in Jerusalem who sold everything and followed Jesus would have every Catholic university named after him. Every little boy born in Europe would have been named after this guy. All the little boys, half the little boys in every Christian classroom would be named after this guy. He would, but instead he's rich, young ruler who didn't take the deal. He missed the deal. Jesus made the best possible deal for this guy, and he missed the deal. This lady took the deal. The Holy Spirit prompted her, take the best thing you have in your house and go and give it to Jesus. Jesus. She is now eternally famous. There was no better exchange that she could have made. What do you have in your house that you would exchange for eternal recognition? Absolutely anything. I would give the house. I would give the car. I would give whatever for eternal recognition in heaven. Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take this take the keys. Jesus take take it all. Take whatever. This was a good deal. In giving this gift, she received eternal recognition. Jesus defended her. You cannot outgive God. And Jesus defended her and gave her eternal recognition for that. That was a good investment. She made a very good investment, though other people criticized it. Let's go to the next verse. Another time, Jesus is is seated with the Pharisees who had asked him to eat with them. And as he sat down to eat, behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. This is a different oil story. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This is some very humble stuff. Wiping his feet with her hair. Now, when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisee spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts and said to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500, and the other owed um, 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to him, You see this woman, I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears. This cost something. This was expensive. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. This is giving. This is costly. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head. You didn't pay nothing. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many. And by implication, your sins are also on the table, dude. You who are accusing this other lady, you're not sin free. Her sins, which are many, and we're talking about 500 versus 50, but you're the 50, dude. Therefore, I say to her, her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And I'm talking to you, Simon. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wow. This is worship. This woman got what she came for. She received the forgiveness that she came for and she had a lot to be forgiven for, but she gave a lot. Worship is giving. Worship is investing. Worship is taking something from in here and giving it to God. Jesus recognized every little thing that she did for him. Jesus noticed the details and Jesus recognizes the details. He honored her for pouring out the fragrant oil. He honored her for her worship, and she received what she came for, the forgiveness. Every time I have gone the extra mile in worship by kneeling, by laying face down, by dancing in the back, or if there's a crowd, I'll dance in the front, but you don't want me up there by myself, it's it's pretty bad. But with a group, I can kind of get lost in the crowd, you know? You know how it works. But I am going to invest. I am going to invest my dad dance for the Lord. I am going to lay on the floor. I'm going to get on my knees. I am going to get out there and give something. And every time I've done that, it works. Stuff happens, good things happen. here's an example uh we've been to brazil with randy clark i've been five times gigi has been six in every one of those meetings i am just dragging my carcass back onto the bus i am sweaty my hair is going seven directions my clothes are ruined everything i have spent everything in that church service And I usually have this huge smile on my face. I have had the time of my life. I had the time of my life. And I owe it all to you. Well, I do. I go out there and I just go bananas for Jesus. I go bananas during praise and worship. I give give big in the offering. I give, give, give all through that service. And five out of five times, I've been asked to do the Sunday message in one of the smaller churches. As a, and it's a really neat honor. But five times I've been honored to go and be a, the guest speaker at one of the smaller churches. It's an all time, every one of those times has been just supernatural, just absolutely awesome. And these trips are full of pastors. There's tons of ministers on these trips. There's usually like 80 people on the trips and usually 20 of them are pastors. And I get selected. Why? It's an honor. But all week long. All week long, I'm sowing. All week long, I'm giving. All week long, I'm honoring God. I'm worshiping God. And each time, God's paid me back. God's honored me a little bit. It's just been, it's been supernatural. And it's just been some of the funnest times of my entire life. Absolute funnest. Just really off the charts, neat times. Jesus and I can tell you really, really fun stories. Um, Let's look at how Solomon... A dedicated the temple. Then the king and all Israel with him. Offered sacrifices before the Lord. Solomon. Offered a sacrifice of peace offerings. Which he offered to the Lord. And Solomon gave. A couple of the bulls. From the flock. How many bulls did Solomon give? Bulls are great big huge thing. They're quite expensive. Solomon gave 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. One time. One offering. 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. Plus grain offerings. Worship is giving. Worship is giving. Worship is giving. Worship is giving. Solomon understood this. The wisest man who ever lived got this. Ding! Is a light bulb going on for the wisest people in Bible school. Ding! Ding. Worship is giving. It has to be that We are taking something that's near and dear, our pride, when we lay down face down on the floor, when we kneel, when everybody's standing, when we raise our hands up, when everybody's got their hands down, when we dance and nobody else is dancing. Come on, we're going for it, we're giving we're extending ourselves and god is answering our prayer when todd bentley was doing that revival in florida and michael brodeur was doing the revival in san francisco it was about 2007 right around there and that was right about the time when the real estate market crashed and i lost 100% of my business, my business just went away. Nobody was refinancing, banks weren't lending. Everything just came to a grinding halt. I had no work to do. I was in trouble and I had mortgages to pay, multiple mortgages to pay. And um, so I, with nothing else to do, I went up and I worshiped during those meetings at the San Francisco Vineyard. And I went up a whole bunch of weeknights, and just worship I didn't have anything else I could do I needed God's help God had heard my prayer I didn't need to pray again I didn't need to pray that prayer over and over again I needed to give I needed to worship I needed to I needed to get before God and as I went to those meetings one after another after another I started to get this assurance that God was with me. And then the phone rings and some lender out of Southern California who would never heard of me and I'd never heard of them got my name off of some government website. I think the Sacramento website for appraisers, they needed an appraiser in Northern California. My last name was Allen. I was probably near the top of the list. And just by god's direction and god's blessing i started to do foreclosure appraisals for this southern california lender that had a whole bunch of bad loans in northern california most of them were kind of like in contra costa county they were really long drives but um anyways i got work all of a sudden i had work i had money to pay the bills they were the only people doing business because nobody else was lending but these guys were foreclosing on everybody, and I was going into these vacant homes that were under foreclosure. And I had about I had about a one year stretch working with this company, and then just about the time when some other business came up, the feds closed their doors because they had so much bad debt, they had so many foreclosures, uh, they went insolvent, and uh, they were locked up by the by the feds. But that provision time was just what I needed for the time that I needed it. And it came in a time of worship. It came through worship. Do you need a miracle? Do you need something big? Worship is a great key worship is where you can give something in exchange for something you can give something and then receive back god needs your worship god wants your worship god has equipped you to worship god has made you a worshiper your purpose is in 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You have been equipped to do this, called to do this, sent to do this, redeemed for this purpose. What do you give the God who already has everything? Worship. 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 Hallelujah. Spend yourself in praise and worship. Pour yourself out in praise and worship. And God will pour you out a blessing that there might not be room enough to contain it. He will overflow a blessing in return. That's our message for tonight.